Um, thanks for the, the intro, Andrea. Uh, it's really great to be part of a P-Talk. Uh, and uh, the topic I bring you today uh, is about this concept of 10x products uh, and innovation in product management. So to give you a bit of context, uh, I'll give you a bit of context on what we do first, because I will later introduce uh, a product that we've been building this year, a practical case study of what I consider, hopefully, it is actually a 10x product. Um, so for those of you who haven't heard or don't know more, much in detail about what Fitzai does, we essentially use AI uh, to help detect fraud uh, in online payments and online transactions, payment transactions of all kinds. Why is this important? You might have seen in the news when Facebook gets breached, when some bank gets breached, or Ashley Madison, whatever it is, there's lots of secrets and sensitive information out there that sometimes gets in the hands of criminals. And then there are like, this, these guys are actually pretty smart, so they keep innovating and keep coming up with things. So I'm, since I've seen some videos on this, I got really paranoid, and I'm always checking if that green thing doesn't stick out, because in just that thing they put on top, there's a schemer which basically clones your car. So you're doing just a withdrawal somewhere, it's maybe in the abroad, you don't really recognize the ATMs well, your, clone has, your car has just been cloned, and now you're gonna drain your account somewhere. We are all victims of social engineering, phishing emails every day. Google helps us a lot with that. And then they're automating this stuff. So they're using, the, the bad guys are using the technology as well. They're making this super easy to order a bunch of uh, shoes online and send them to uh, a fake address and use stolen cards uh, that you can easily get online from the dark web. And this is actually a huge market, so that's why we're working on this. But the, from a product perspective, the scary thing is that for the past 20 years, this is how people fight fraud. This is the type of products they have. Lists of transactions with a bunch of data, doing some finds and searches and trying to match what is related. And here, there you have highlighted um, five transactions that are actually belonging to the same card. Um, but actually, all of those other transactions were part of a concentrated attack. And it's really hard with just this type of tools to actually find that out. So what's that all about disrupting and building a 10x product? Any of you knows who this guy is and what this photo is about? It's a classic um, case study. This guy is called Steven uh, Sasson, and this photo is in 75, where he invented the first digital camera. That's the first digital camera. And it completely disrupted Kodak's business at the time, because they were selling uh, pretty well on the film cameras. But the fun fact, it was invented in 75, remember, is that Steven invented it while working at Kodak in their research labs. So how did they miss that, right? Because they had a pretty profitable business line. They made all the rational decisions. In hindsight, it made sense what they did. But they didn't embrace the notion of disruptive innovation. They were not ready to think of it uh, in a different lens. They were thinking in what we 
also refer as 10% innovation. And if you're thinking 10%, you're competing with everyone that's thinking 10%. You're using the same methods, you're struggling, but if you want to think orders of magnitude better, you need to reframe how you approach the problem completely. And this means taking risks. And the problem is that risk-taking sucks because our brain is wired to actually perceive gains much less than it perceives risks. When you lose a 10, hour, a 10 euros bill that you had with you, it hurts twice as more in your brain than when you find one in the street. That's at least what the psychologist said, so I'm using it. So coming back to fraud fighting, how do we improve on this? So let me show you what that actually looks like. What, they, what the fraudsters did is they took a bunch of cards they stole and they got them online or they uh, did some phishing attack. And then they did what we call a fraud trip in the, in the industry. They took the highway and they went and bought iPhones every store they could find along the way until the cards were drained. They were have all this very valuable merchandise that you can sell very easily on eBay, untraced, great. But the initial analysis could only cut those five that were highlighted, not the other related ones. So we've seen a couple of these things at FitzEye. And we've used machine learning to catch them. And we've got to get some internal domain knowledge on this. And we were thinking, how are we going to build a product that helps you see connected fraud, that helps you uncover these things, these hard to map relationships? How do we go past what the industry is offering in terms of just tabular listings and that kind of uh, products? And this is how the idea for sequencing the DNA of fraud, sequencing the fraud patterns that are out there, uh, and having a tool that we decided to call Genome uh, would work, a visualization tool for people to find uh, disconnected fraud schemes. And now I'm going to go through all the steps that we went. Maybe these are not the best steps for every problem you find. These are what I would say some tools that you can consider valuable in an innovation toolbox kit. Um, and walk you through a bit what was our mindset and how we uh, got to a product uh, that we're particularly excited with. First, it was all about uh, competitive analysis, competitor research, seeing what's out there in terms of visualizing uh, connected data, uh, what's usually referred to as entity link analysis, which, to be honest, from what we've seen from competitors, kind of sucks. Uh, it sometimes looks flashy, but does it really help? It's not very obvious. Uh, and we kept looking into it, and we kept talking with customers about this and getting feedback and trying to understand what other tools are out there. Um, then we also started to compile uh, the knowledge we had internally about uh, fraud use cases, like the ones I told you about. Fraud trips, bot attacks, uh, points of compromise where we know that if that ITM was hacked, then if we can trace back to that specific ATM, then cars that were used at the ATM might be compromised. Or if we know that a specific home banking was targeted, then all the clients might be compromised and how to work back on those situations. And we validated this 
going to customers, talking with them all the steps of the way to make sure we had a few use cases we should focus on. Having done that market research, um, then we thought, let's do a design sprint. It was not a by-the-book design sprint. It was our flavor to it. We put together a cross-functional team. So we got fraud analysts that we have in-house that are experts in fighting fraud. We got data visualization artists that are experts at data visualization techniques. We got product people that have these ideas and are thinking about these things and trying to make them work. And we built this small core team and we started just drawing things on a whiteboard, getting them all in the same room for a week and just iterating on this constantly. Calendars blocked, no other things in the, in the agenda, just thinking about this. And then we would pull someone uh, and just say, hey, have a look at this, what do you think of this? Uh, so we did about a lot of this hallway testing with designers, engineers, managers, stakeholders, cleaning lady, whatever. Just getting some feedback on, does this make sense? Does the pitch make sense? Does the features we're thinking about make sense? Does the problem as we're talking about it make sense? Um, and of course, we had to do that also with customers. So we also had some remote sessions with customers talking about the problems they had and what they expected of link analysis. Not promising features, being very careful, talking about domain and problems, but targeting some feedback on our thinking and our rationale. Yeah, and that's uh, how it looked like. In the middle of the week, uh, we erased and rewrote on that table for the whole week. It was lots of fun, lots of pictures. Uh, it got really messy as well. <laughs> uh, and in the end, we had lots of ideas, but we were like, we need to get a crisp view of what, what will a great product here look like. Having something that we can actually show in a single page to a customer and kind of get a reaction, kind of test, does this make sense? Go a bit beyond the ad hoc hallway testing and actually, what if this was a product? This is just an idea we have, what do you think? And this is kind of tricky to do in B2B, but unless you get out of the building, you never get uh, ahead. So this is just Photoshop, this doesn't do anything, but it's awesome because it gets us that reaction. It gets us to that point do you get it? Um, now we're pretty confident about it. But you start facing the Kodak problem. How do you staff a team? How do you convince everyone in the company that this is the direction? Uh, clients kind of like it, but it's not a real thing. It's more in our heads. And then we had an idea. We're going to have a hackathon. Um, this was back in February. Let's get the people that were in that brainstorm together and see if they want to build a team and try to like really get a prototype going here. And that's what happened next. So this is real data from a real customer that we have in-house. And this was one of the big unknowns for us. How does it look with real data? It all sounds really nice, but how does it play out? And we're like, oh, we know that's a gang of gangsters there that were using some stolen cards. We know this because our machine learning helped us detect it some years ago. And actually, it was a little larger than we thought. We missed some. <laughs> and then there is another ring up there. Uh, and we started getting really excited. And everybody started seeing the value when they were connecting what the product was providing and the stories we already know about this data set, 
about what happened with this data set. Well, so when you're working with data, this is really important. You need to work with the real data. That was a key learning for us. Um, and the other thing that worked really well is that although we were excited about it, we didn't set very high expectations about this going in. And that's the magic of hackathons. Uh, we're just running one right now in the other floors of the building, actually. Uh, and it's amazing how people get excited and play with things and break things. And you kind of, for a few days, are able to get a little away from that loss aversion problem. Uh, you kind of bend that graph a little. What came next? We actually built a team. We actually productized it. Well, at least the first prototype, not a final product. And then we started engaging with clients more seriously about this. Do you want to be a design partner? Do you want uh, to spend your time with us, giving us feedback, actually having lengthy sessions about this for a product that doesn't exist? We're building it. And we learned a lot of stuff. So we, we got some guys excited. Uh, we did a bunch of stink previews. Uh, and uh, we just like GIFs like this and some short demos that were a bit hacked uh, here and there, but enough to get a, a reaction again. And a lot of excitement, but a few clients in particular were like, we actually like this a lot. We actually want this. This is actually exciting. Like This takes the mask out of the fraudster. Uh, I, I always remember very fondly a moment where a client told me, this is the best genome I ever saw. And it's like, nobody calls it genome. It's our word for it. Uh, so that was like, oh, it's a post-it moment, maybe. Uh, so it's hard not to get carried away in those moments. But uh, it was really exciting. And um, we did a bunch of prototype testing. We kept evolving it. We had on-site sessions that were like almost uh, like back-to-back, -back, full three days of user testing with real users, playing with the tool that they were just trained on. And the feedback was really, really good. And we learned that, for example, this thing you see in the background where we are seeing a full day of alerts, a full day of transactions to be reviewed, is being assessed and you're seeing everything that is connected. And the different colors represent different entities. So you can see like, oh, this guy actually has a bunch of cards. Uh, and it's always him. And he's purchasing with a bunch of cards at different times. Why is that? That's kind of weird. Let's look into that. Or you have other patterns, uh, like when you see the, that darker green blobs, where you have a bunch of people sharing a card, or a bunch of people sharing a bunch of cards, but they're all kind of half connected some way. It's probably a bot attack or something. So we started seeing these very clear examples. Um, and we started understanding that actually looking at a full day or just a, a whole period of alerts and assessing what are the blobs is a very uh, fast way to do a first pass analysis. So this is actually a much more clear use case for us now. We never thought about this at the start. We thought that we were going to be just taking a single alert and seeing what it's connected to. That's actually not the best use case. So real data, real clients, real feedback, that's how we actually got to this point. Fortunately, I cannot give you a demo because we have some technical issues. Uh, but that is it. 
what's coming next. We're in the B2B space, so we're a little bold. We started doing this this year where we put press releases out there when we have cool stuff. It's the third that's coming out next week. Uh, we're going to announce it at a big conference uh, about f fraud detection and fintech, uh, and that's very tailored to the space. Uh, we're productizing it, and we still keep testing and still keep this cycle of co-development that it's actually how you validate that you're building. Uh, maybe 10x, pretty sure it's 10x product. Thank you. All right, Joke, don't run away because we have some questions for you. Okay, right. so don't forget, you can, you can join your questions on slido.com. Just go to slido.com or slido.do, search for hashtag ptalks, and then you'll be able to join us. Okay, so first question. Um, mm, um, how can companies not fall victim of the 10% trap? It's hard because, like I said, with Kodak, it was the logical thing, the rational thing to do every step of the way. So you have to foster that culture. You have to educate the management people about what's the risk. Because the risk is you might get disrupted. You might be the guy that was the king of film camera mm -hmm. 20 years or 40 years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard on the daily business to step away from it. But in the end, I think it's not about strategy. It's about culture. It's about making having that very clear. So what kind of support did you did you get from the management, you know, uh, from Nunu to do this uh, design sprint? Uh, or is this something that you can just organize because you feel like it? What's the... Well, you kind of you have to, I would say, sneak on some of these things just ongoingly as part of daily business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you didn't know. No. But uh, that's is. a secret. Never tell your, your boss, yeah. right? Well, but the thing is, when it comes to the point where you need to build validation internally, of course. Mm -hmm. So that's also the, the role of product, right? If you are always asking, can I do this? You're not going to get anything done. Uh, you need to take some risks, uh, and then you build the case. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we did. And the best way to build the case was to actually... First, we had to figure out if it made sense. We didn't know. Uh, so this is, in a sense, it's product discovery 101. Mm -hmm. uh, but in another sense, is also having that uh, willingness to take bigger risks. Right. So, what kind of validation did you get when you get out of the building? Where did you go? To the bank next door, or did you put on yourself on the plane? You went to San Francisco, talked to your clients. Yeah, well, we yeah. flew to Portland. We flew to mm -hmm. clients all over the world. And what um, was the reaction? It's like it it. Because it was a prototype. It was a prototype. Yeah. So, but that's it's about how you frame it. It's also like, you lie. I don't I don't go there to show a prototype. Okay. I go there to talk about something else, okay. and then in the last one hour I show a prototype. Okay. Um, and that's that's how you do it. Like you have to. It's it's not about only doing innovation. It's mm -hmm. it's like when I hear a lot of junior product managers telling me I don't get to do product discovery. Well, the work is not 100% product discovery. The work okay. is 20% maybe, or mm -hmm. 10. Right. Uh, but you need to do it strategically. Sneak it in. Sneak it in, do it at the, at the right time, and then when you have the case, mm -hmm. when you have the validation, because once I have clients saying, I need this, I want this, 
and Nuno gives me the resources. All right. We, ha we have a very good question from, uh, I guess, Margarida Huela. Where are you? So somewhere. Okay. She's there. Um, and the question is, um, well, what two things could have Kodak done differently? In insight, I think everything is easy, but what do you think they could, you know, 40 years ago have done differently um, to change game? Because technology oh. was really not there. That was a very rough, uh, I guess, 150 per 150 pixel prototype, black and white. If they would do it today, I guess mm. they would set up an innovative tech hub in Lisbon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the <laughs> <laughs> Only the Indian guy. Are you Indian, sir? No, <laughs> Portuguese. <sorry. laughs> All right, let's we should we should applaud that. But yeah, but that's that's what you see like some companies in the auto industry doing today, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's also a learning that takes time. It's a learning that the whole uh, business world made mm -hmm. over these last decades. Right. Uh, so, I I don't think they did anything wrong and the light of the knowledge they had and the practice they had at the time. But mm -hmm. we're now we know the lessons. Now we shouldn't fall in the same traps. All right. And um, another question is, do you already have numbers to measure the gain with your solution? And how do you identify the 30% more than actual way? So when, when I think 10% doesn't actually necessarily mean it's worth 10% more in the market. Mm -hmm. But for the user, the experience will be 10% more than what it does today. The way they react to it, I have users on tape saying, I love this product, can I take it home? Mm. And this is a moment where like, oh, I'm, we're onto something here. Um, yeah. Having that said, uh, initial tests show that it might be possible to process twice the workload they're processing today. So it's very easy to build a business case around that. So, but uh, uh, the question is, how do you know at this point that this will be a 10x revenue for Fitza? You don't know. I don't know. You so have faith? What do you I have faith. I right. have a lot of faith in it because of these initial insights. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't need to be a 10x revenue product today or tomorrow. Uh, if it adds value to, to the way you're doing things and if it actually changes the way that, uh, that uh, the users of our clients use the product, then it's at least it will add stickiness to the product and mm -hmm. make it be more relevant over time and make it be easy to upgrade the contracts and resell. Um, but I think that it even has the potential. And we're going to test that also uh, next week at uh, Money 2020, the conference, uh, how much people come to the booth, mm -hmm. how much time they spend looking at it. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty confident that it will... Um, be quite uh, so one of the, the one of the uh, most of other questions is did you think about the business model while I guess doing the sprint or was that sprint really it fo was focus on value of the product it was not a top concern we right. thought about how do people work on fraud how do people how do users do their daily business what are their pains and how can this change the game for them uh, we didn't cascade it to our, how are we going to price this, uh, who is going to buy this. Like we we discussed it and thought about it, but it, I find that it was too early to figure that out yet. Uh, it is it still is probably. Okay, this is for the geeks in the room. How do you handle geolocation and time on your graph visualization? Yeah, that's an actual question. Yeah. So 
geolocation. So geolocation uh, is not there yet, but it's in the roadmap. Uh, time, it's there. So the the GIF you were seeing uh, was one day of alerts, but also all the connections to one month of uh, related alerts in the past. And we already have a, a very cool feature that if we select just a cluster within the, the graph, we can press a play button and it will show us what was the order uh, by which these guys popped up. And this also lets you see that sometimes, oh, it's very obvious now that this is a network fraud, but actually they just very slowly started using the same card and you're like, oh, maybe it's a family. Oh, they have lots of cousins. Uh, what's going on? Oh, many too many people sharing the same card. Yeah, uh, they're so a Portuguese family. Yeah. So why Zykaton? Because Fidzai. Right. Zai? I didn't get that. I'm too slow. Am, am I too slow? Too much beer <laughs> on my bloodstream already? So the, the naming is that. Right. The, the, the concept is exactly to power up ideas like this. Exactly okay, so to give like space to bottom-up innovation, right. people it's playing with stuff. your own trademark for a hackathon yes. internally. Okay, yes. when's, what's the next one? Is it ready? It's happening today and tomorrow, actually. Oh, it is. Another yeah. room. In the different the downstairs. The yeah. Yeah. Did you release your colleagues to come here today? They're yeah, over there. Okay, they hey there. guys. Okay, the so good news. Break. We'll have 15 minutes of beer break for everyone. And you can continue the discussion here with Diogo. And the head of product might want to say something. I'm going to answer the geolocation question. Ooh. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Since my past is in geolocation. So how do we handle geolocation? All transactions have an IP address. They have a shipping address, billing address. When you have an IP location, we basically do trace routes, host names to really understand where the IP geolocation is located, right? So there's internet registries in different parts of the world, seven big registries, and you're basically collating all the information to really understand where the IP is geolocated, right? We don't have our own technology. We use a technology from my past company that I built. And so we're basically using that technology to do IP location so you can understand where the IP address is, whether it's in Portugal, state, anonymizing proxy, hosting pro proxy, tor, TOR network, whatever, right? So you get the intelligence about the IP data from there. And we're using all that data that's enriched in the genome graph to show where, the, where this transaction event entity is. So that basically handles the geolocation. How do you oh. plot it visually? How do I show it? Oh, we have a data visualization artist who can tell us more about how do you show it visually. Beer threes. So just talk with her in the beer break. All right, guys. Let's go beer break. Thank you. Thank okay, you. let's go beer break. Thank you, Diogo. Thank you. So no.